Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. I'm ready. No. God, you always get me. Hello, Keegan Renault. Hello. It's the post-game show. Hey, do you remember the first time we did uh, the Inside OU podcast together? It was months ago. It was right before you went to uh, New Mexico. New Mexico, yep. And we were sitting here feeling all fat and proud and just like, hey, yeah, we're going to have football. It's going to be half capacity, probably even full capacity in some stadiums. And then a week later, stuff started happening. And slowly but surely over the next few podcasts, we were like, I don't know if we're going to have the damn sport at all, man. This is going to be bad. And now, many weeks later, we're now doing our first post-game podcast on the Inside OU podcast for season two of this show. And uh, Keegan, it's it felt surreal all day. College football is on my screen. Uh, the Big 12 embarrassed itself and is currently still in the process of embarrassing itself because, as you just told me, uh, uh, Coastal Carolina is about to beat Kansas. So, uh, yay! Uh, OU, of course, took Kansas care of Kansas just scored. It's 35-24. Okay, okay. So, there's hope. There's, there's hope here. Might be some interesting things. But, yes, everybody, welcome to the post-game episode of the Inside OU podcast. With Keegan Renault of uh, Sooners Wire, powered by USA Today. And your humble host, Brady Trantham of 107.7 The Franchise in OKC, the flagship station for Oklahoma Sooner Athletics. Just got back from the station doing the post-game show with Chisholm Holland, Matt Burton, and Sam Mays for a segment. Keegan, like like we just kind of set, set up a little bit, can't believe we had football today. Can't believe we're doing a post-game show. And you wanted to lead in with this, and it was something that I, I missed in the post game because I heard most of Lincoln Riley's comments, and this kind of just went over my head, or I didn't hear it at all. I might have been taking a piss. Who knows? But um, it was reported, you know, I think as late as yesterday, Missouri State's president came on the franchise and was like, yeah, I, I don't know if y'all know this, but this game was in serious jeopardy of not being played, and it had nothing to do with Missouri State, but everything to do with Oklahoma, and then he just refused to keep going any further. But apparently Lincoln Riley was asked about uh, something about this in uh, the post game, and he said something interesting you said. Yeah, and his the body language he had just in regards to when he lost, and then this was his answer. It hung in the balance for a little bit, but we were able to do it, and thankfully we were able to. Hmm. It's almost as if there really wasn't a competitive disadvantage that he felt, <laughs> and, I, and I really want to talk about the football game. I do, but this is – you know, Alex Grinch even brought it up. He said we would be naive to think – that something like a game like tonight couldn't ha- like won't happen again. Yeah, like, this is going to be something that we're going to deal with every single week, and it might be as minor as a player on the two deep isn't going to be available. They're not hurt. They're not even sick. But contact tracing. Now I know the Big Twelve's. I'm trying to roll out that 15 minute rapid test. Uh, fairly soon and hopefully that kind of takes away from players that have to miss significant time just because they've been around someone uh, that had tested positive you can get quick results in theory at least in my brain it just seems like well then maybe a player that's not sick will be able to play that following Saturday but yeah this is going to be something we're going to deal with it's going to be as minor as that or as as major as no this game's going to get postponed or canceled Absolutely. And the fact of the, you know, really of the matter is, is it was more kind of what you and I talked about yesterday and what you heard me say and the people that listen to this podcast that listen to the franchise say that it was being, it was way more than what was being reported. And that ramped up yesterday. And and if we can just go through this week real quick and then get out of this, but so Sunday, Oklahoma tested, or Monday, one of the two days. I was told Sunday night, but I think that's wrong. Monday they tested, and it did not go well. So I was led to believe that the bad test happened last week, like last Thursday's weekly test. And you teased this. 
over the last uh, few uh, episodes about hey, players been having fun over on Campus Corner, acting like college mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And so they're also the other side of this is people believe that the women's soccer team and the football players had been mingling together. Not, I'm not saying like it's a bad thing. I'm just kind of going through the timeline. Oh, uh, yes, I know. I'm just, I'm just here for the comedic effect. Okay. And then, obviously, throughout the week, Oklahoma wasn't sure how many more positives would show up because of they were only testing weekly. And then that's why everything kind of ramped up. And on Wednesday, as, I, as you know, I interviewed Joe Castiglione for the feature story I wrote about the two athletic directors no signs that this game was going to get canceled and friday it ramped up and then i got a well f text out of the blue from so it's played the game tonight and i know we're about to get into it but I, I i do want to lead off with this holy cow brady trantham this kid's arm it's oh yeah that ball comes out of his and the ball comes out of his hand different. And I know I, I know I tweeted out the I'm not gonna overreact, I'm not gonna overreact, I'm not gonna overreact that tweet. But whenever you talk about the throw, the one to Charles Sabrambo on the there's only really two throws that stuck out to me. The one on the drop to Charleston Rambo. I mean, can't throw a football better than that. Oh and yeah. And then the absolute seed. Not to Charleston Rambo open, Marvin Mims on the post route, but the 45, 50 yard back shoulder he made to Theo East. Oh yeah, that, that was move. that was an NFL throw. Oh my lord! When you when, when, he, he, when we haven't even named them yet, <laughs> do we have like a player of the game? Do we need to just that's yeah, how we'll, we yeah, this, we'll but. we'll do our player of the game. I mean, this is this was an ass kicking. It's OU beats Missouri State forty eight to nothing. Uh, we'll typically save the player of the game stuff for the end uh, of the of that episode. Once these games get a little bit more hairy, a little bit more competitive, we'll we'll hold that till the end. But yeah, oh, I mean, this shit. Is- are are they going to? I mean. Yes, let's let's, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, We've I'm seen sorry. good OU I'm teams sorry. lose to suck ass Kansas State <laughs> squads, suck ass Texas Tech squads. Like, and, and let's not act like when Iowa State gets on the field against OU, they're not more hyped and more focused to play them than compared to Louisiana. Now, shame on them for not taking their opponent seriously and just getting their ass kicked up and down the field by the raging Cajuns. Shame on them, shame on Kansas State, shame on Kansas. Shame on Texas Tech, who barely beat Houston Baptist. But I have no doubt that they'll at least start off the game a little bit more tough once OU's on, on the field because that's what, right. that's, it's their Super Bowl. But going back to Missouri State, yeah, I mean, the player of the game, Spencer Rattler, just because going into this, that was we had so many question marks that we focused on over the last few weeks going into this game of what to look forward to. But ultimately, it's just Spencer Rattler. It's the start of the Rattler era. Um, and we even highlighted Keegan on the last few episodes about how let's not jump into the numbers so much, whatever, whatever numbers he throws out there against Missouri state, let's not get too overboard with them. At the same time, you can still look for things. You can look for how he delivers the football. Where is the football ending up when he throws it? How decisive does he look? How does he look in the pocket? How does he look when the pocket breaks down? Like all these little minute things that add up to, a Lincoln Riley perfect quarterback. And I think Lincoln told you guys in the post game, eh, he played okay. You know, made some mistakes like we uh, assumed he would as a start, uh, as his making his first start. But overall, it was a great foundation for his career at OU. And I, I mean, couldn't agree more. But yeah, like that, that behind the shoulder, that over the shoulder throw to Theo Weiss, you know, like if you just typed in Kyler Murray's NFL rookie highlight reel, that one that he threw to uh, Larry Fitzgerald. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, when Spencer, like, delivered that ball and Theo caught it. That was the first thing that popped in my mind was like, oh, my God. He doesn't have the cannon of a Kyler Murray and that, like, he can just flick his wrist and it just – it's just – I think Kyler has a tiny bit of a – a little bit of a smidge of a stronger arm. Kyler Murray is the NFL Rookie of the Year. Don't – don't – this was Missouri State. The talent is there. No, I, I get – we're, we're splitting we're hairs. About, we're not talking about what he's doing up against Missouri State. We're talking about his overall – Yes. This is the, his overall game. I, you know, you talk about that throw to Theo 
And I know Kyler really came on. Throughout that game, he was making plays against Florida debut in 2018. And then Marquise Brown happened. And I think that was my oh moment. Like, oh, oh my God moment. Tonight, there was some oh my God moments from Spencer Rattler. And he had one throw to Charleston out. It was a long out. Um, it says my internet connection is unstable, but if I chopped out there, sorry. It is. It has been but, sounding like it so far. The idea, no, listeners, the idea has been to do these in person, but uh, uh, Keegan got done a little bit earlier than expected, so oh. I didn't want him to like chill in Norman or Oklahoma City while I was doing my post game on the radio. I so. Uh, so we're doing this over Zoom, but I, I we try to do these I, in person. I busted out of there thinking that you would be ready whenever I was got done with transcribing stuff. But back to back to Spencer real quick. This kid had was hitting guys in stride. That's the thing. That's one of the things you want to look for. The ball placement was exceptional. He was there was not many throws that Missouri State can make plays on. And then three just his overall arm talent it's almost overwhelming yeah it it, it's like you it looked how do you how do I say this and I'm not this is I know it's going to be like this all year the comparisons are it's going to be easy between 2019 and 2020 but it just looks different it it looks different than Jalen different than Mordecai it looks it just looks different and um um, I, I mean, I would even go to say it looks different than any quarterback I saw last season outside of Joe Burrow. Oh, let's let's uh, let's calm down. Let's calm outside down, Keegan. I'm excited outside too. Outside of outside of Joe Burrow. Well, I know, but that's a lot of that's a lot of talent. Still, the other I, the best quarterback would be Brock. I saw Brock Purdy and I saw Sam Ellinger. Oh, okay. That you saw. Okay. Never mind. I mis- misheard you. But no, I mean, the arm talent, everything that you want out of a Lincoln Riley quarterback at OU is there. And I mean, even still, like, we don't even need to be talking about a five star super quarterback in Spitzer Rattler. We could be talking about just kind of your run of the mill quarterback. But if all they do is just simply put the ball in a place where they're, where his skill position guys can go show off the skills then they'd be sitting pretty because, I mean, we already knew we're not going to see Jaden Hazelwood in this game. Having said that, it's just an embarrassment of riches with uh, OU skill positions, Keegan. And when you've got a quarterback that can not only put the ball in the right spot, but deliver it from wherever he's standing on the field to the, like, Spencer was going for bombs every single play. Like, that was the cool part was – you know, I, I'm sure Lincoln, w- w- once he sits Spencer down and says, like, I like, I like the uh, gunslinging mentality, but once we play a little bit more teams, a little bit more talent, especially in the back end of the defense, uh, don't be – like, checking down is not a bad thing. Or going to the underneath route is not a it, – it's not a failure because, I mean, Rambo's not always going to be wide open. And even though he did throw Marvin Mims wide um, – he threw him open on that uh, play action fake, that 57 yard touchdown. But that cornerback was in position, had his head turned. And if it was a more talented cornerback, maybe he's able to make a play on that, on that throw, even though uh, Spencer put it in the right spot. But I mean, we're, 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 we're not, we're focusing on tiny little things that we weren't going to be able to see against Missouri state. But uh, like Lincoln Riley said it best, like he made some mistakes, played. Okay. Great foundation for, um, the start of his career because it everything's there. The sky's the limit. We saw what we needed to see for game one against Missouri State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you hit it the nail on the head there at the end. Is The things you could have seen tonight, the things that you wanted to see, Those he, he checked off every list or checked off every box on this list. Heading into Kansas State, which I, I want to say today was more of a fluke that it's not going to be that way two games that Louisiana and Arkansas State had it was kind of success was weird but I mean as I said like if this you know I, I've said it on here and the franchise 
everybody. And I think tonight maybe epitomized that for me and today just in general is that embrace the shootouts. I mean, they're going to be real. There's going to be – there's going to be a lot of 40, 30 football games this year, a lot of 50, 30 football games. And offense, um, I guess this is kind of the where the only negative I think that you could say from tonight, and I know they were missing three guys from their two deep. Lincoln Riley maybe alluded to that it was more. I still can't figure that out. But they – the only thing that was really – that is concerning, even with the fact that you know, I'm looking at my depth chart I have marked out now, Anton Harrison, Stacey Wilkins was out, as well as Andrew Graham at left guard, Bray Walker, Tyrese Robinson, free, Andrew Ely and Eric Swenson were your starters, uh, Marquise Hayes. They just – they didn't get any push. Did that yeah. – did you notice that? It, they did yeah. and run it in the run game. They just did not get all. It didn't seem like they blew guys off the ball like I would have expected them to. Yeah, I. I mean, I told you this before we started recording, and I made the comparison to like watching basketball and just looking at a simple basketball box score. You'll you'll see like the points, the rebounds, the shooting, all those things, and then you'll see the plus minus. Now, the, the funny thing about plus minus is. Depending how, on how the game goes, plus minus can either be complete and utter bullshit, and it's kind of funny to look at after the fact. But there are times where it does tell you the story, and you can kind of see, like, yeah, that makes sense to me. It makes sense that Danilo Gallinari is a plus 24 and everybody else is a minus 4. Like, yeah, because Danilo was the only guy on the, on the floor that made things happen. Okay, that makes sense to me. You can just look at the offensive numbers. OU rushed, uh, rushed for 124 yards. You know, good. They pass for 484 yards. This is one these this is one of those games where if you just kind of had a passing observation of the game, you just kind of tuned in here and there, and then you look at the 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 total yards at the end of the game. It's like okay, the pass blocking's great, and that's that's probably easy to predict at this in this day and age with Bill Beanbow's offensive line. I expect the pass blocking to be a little bit better. And then I expect the running game to kind of pick up a game or two into the season because you're right. Like they weren't dominating to the effect that I would want to see them dominate. And a lot of Seth McGowan's runs, and we'll get to Seth McGowan later on, I'm sure. A lot of his runs were just because he was just running pissed off and he was like, I don't care if I'm going to get hit in the backfield. I'm going to get three yards out of this game that shouldn't be a gain at all. So. Um, no doubt OU's offensive line is going to need uh, a little bit more time just to get healthy, you know, whether they're sick literally or injured or just contact trace quarantine, they just need to, you know, have some time to get back onto the field as a unit. And I have no doubt that the run, the run, the, uh, holes will be there for the running game. But I mean, yeah, just the pass blocking was fine. Cause Spencer just rare, whenever he had to take off. I mean, it, it seemed fairly normal. Like, I, I will say, like, Spencer seemed to have a little bit of happy feet about him. It's real subtle, and it wasn't as, it wasn't as apparent. It, this isn't a knock on him or a, a flaw or anything. But there, there were, like, a play or two where, I mean, I, I don't know. He just didn't look super comfy just because the, the pocket broke down just a little bit. And what I saw with his legs, with his feet, I just like, eh. That's probably a play he's going to look at and go, oh, I, I should have just stood tall in the pocket a little bit longer but oh well it's first game yeah they had four gave they did give up four sacks tonight um i don't know how much of the offensive line how much of that was on spencer for holding onto the ball for too long uh but i i think just overall though you would have in my mind i expected them to at least look at and appear as if even the backups and we've heard all about how the depth has been good this year that they would have been able to come out and dominate at the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, that's something that I think we're going to have to monitor going forward and and see, you know, I, and if these backs is what we've heard. But, you know, I, I think they're going to have a really quick, you know, string on these guys this year. Like, they, you can't – they're you know, you've got an Andrew Rame waiting in the wings. You've got Anton Harrison starting at left tackle. You've got a guy like a um, – by the way, Nate Anderson was also out tonight. I'm trying to – there was a handful of guys on my roster of offensive linemen that were out. Um, but, you know, those guys are waiting in the wings. They've obviously have been done really well in camp and in parks as well. So, it's uh, 
It's going to be definitely something to monitor heading into this Kansas State-Iowa State game. Um, doesn't look like they're going to be as imposing threats along the defensive line as what I would have – which, by the way, credit us – you want to pat yourself on the back? Pat myself oh. on the back. Oh, shout out to Joel, a loyal, uh, good friend, good friend, good. Uh, we we have similar musical tastes, Joel and I. But he he does listen to our podcast, and thank you, Joel, and thank you to all of our listeners. But yes, we did talk a bunch of trash about Kansas State's offensive line, and boy, did we look oh, like prophets today. Both of both of them. I mean, we. I know I've specifically said on here that the offensive lines in the Big Twelve were not going to be that good this year, and I. Never would have imagined that they would have just gotten absolutely pushed by Arkansas State and Louisiana Lafayette. But yeah, it's but it, yeah, Oklahoma's offensive line though it's gonna be something really to really follow closely over the next couple of weeks too, uh, because it's it's gonna be one of those things that, that I mean this team's gonna go as that offense goes. They know that they understand that, and they're gonna have to be better. And I know that there were guys out tonight, but just overall, they're going to have to be better. And yep. there's really no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, and I mean, even if they had just straight dominated, I mean, it would have been cool. It would have been fine, but I'd still feel the same way that I do even at the, the performance now. It's like, well, I mean, that was Missouri State. Let's see the positive development going into conference play in two weeks when you take on Kansas State. Because, yeah, like Kansas State embarrassed themselves. They embarrassed the conference. But they're going to put out a better product when they come to Norman in two weeks because Kleiman's a good coach. He's going to have a good game plan. And those, um, those Wildcats are going to be plenty hyped to avenge this embarrassing loss and then also show that last year in, Nor- uh, in Manhattan against OU wasn't a fluke. So um, I'm expecting a much better Kansas State performance now. Will they be able to – I don't know. Will they be able to execute their game plan I mean, probably not, just because OU's just a more talented team. So, but I mean, back to the Missouri State game. I mean, we we talked about Spencer. I'm sure we'll touch on him a little bit more. I wanted to go not to the running game. I wanted to go straight to Marvin fucking Mims. Holy crap, is this guy exciting? Now, Missouri State, but and I'll make a second basketball analogy here because you know Oklahoma City over the last few seasons they've had to use a lot of young players in their rookie years. And the big telltale sign for me, Keegan, on a young basketball player is, all right, when they're playing, when they're playing with, like, the starters, if they get the ball in their hands and they put the ball on the floor and they look like they know what the hell they're doing, they don't, they don't have to score, they don't have to dunk, they don't have to hit the shot. I just need to see a guy who knows what the hell that he's doing and doesn't look scared. Basically, just doesn't look like Terrence Ferguson when he puts the ball on the floor. If you at least look like that, I have a positive outlook on you moving forward everything you do after that is is cake you obviously have to make develop you you obviously have to make improvements so on and so forth but it's kind of the same thing with football if you get a a freshman out there new starter just a guy who hasn't seen time obviously as a new as a new guy coming to school as soon as he gets the ball in his hands if he just knows what the hell he's doing i mean the sky's the limit and marvin mims as soon as he caught that first punt and just saw a gap and was like i'm gonna run that way I'm going to run as fast as I can. And then he was even able to make a move. And if, I don't know who was number 30 that actually tackled him. That scholarship should be pulled. Just kidding. I, I'm, not that, I'm not that mean. But um, it wasn't just on special teams. I mean, obviously, he had that big 57-yard touchdown catch from Spencer Rattler. And even looked like a, a, a favorite target of Spencer Rattler because they hooked up for a few more times for some pretty cool completions. But Marvin Mims, because I, I, I'm obviously excited about Theo Weiss. Excited about a Charleston Rambo with a quarterback that can deliver the football all over the place and do all those good things, get him in space. Um, Jaden Hazelwood's probably not going to play this year, but, you know, best case scenario, if he somehow miraculously does, I mean, we know what Jaden Hazelwood brings to the table. I mean, there's so, there's so much talent, talent with the skill positions, but it's always kind of like you have to replace, somehow replace CeeDee Lamb him being the huge X factor on the offense last year, him being the exciting player that he was. I'm not saying, I do not want you to think that I'm saying Marvin Mims is going to replace CeeDee Lamb. But I feel like the excitement, the excitement factor that CeeDee Lamb brought to the table, I think you saw that Mar- today that Marvin Mims can do that. And we hyped him up all offseason. I was excited to see him play. I was excited to see him on the two deep. 
I was excited to see him uh, returning punts on the depth chart. And today was just like, I'm all aboard the Marvin Mims train, man. I'm excited to see this guy's career play out this season. He's going to be, you know, one of those guys. And I know I said it to you um, on here that, you know, he is as talented as the guys that they signed in 2019. Yeah. He's going to be as talented as the guys moving forward. This is a guy that it's hard to say he was underrated, but in the realm of he's got a chance to be a legit number one option for Oklahoma downfield as a vertical threat. Um, that doesn't happen for many guys that aren't top, you know, top 150, top 100 recruits. And I believe Marvin Mims was a top 250 recruit at a high school. But he, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, this is going to be a guy that clearly has the ability to not just separate, but lo- to locate the football, to be able to adjust his body um, to where the ball's thrown and go make a catch. And that's, I think, you know, kind of like what we said with Spencer, in terms of burst, in terms of separation, in terms of his hands, uh, he, you know, checked off every box um, in that regard in his debut. And this is a guy, you know, looking forward. I don't want to say Charleston Rambo was kind of just what Charleston Rambo is tonight, but I mean, I think he could be more explosive than what, Oklahoma has besides maybe every guy not named, you know, every guy named Trojan Bridges. I mean, I think Trojan Bridges is going to be an explosive receiver, but, you know, I think Marvin Mims is outside of, you know, outside of Trojan, there's really not a guy that has that just absolute take, blow your doors off top of the defense that Marvin Mims has. Yeah. And in Charleston Rambo, like even, even showcase probably what OU fans wanted to see a lot last year, especially in the second half of the year. And, and most of it, in my opinion, was just, I mean, not even that 53 yard catch he had, but just the, uh, that cute little slant pattern that he ran that tiny little route. He ran Spencer Rattler delivered it right in the bread basket where you need to put it so that Charleston Rambo can just go to work. We didn't see that of this offense a lot last, last year in the second half of the year. And like, again, it's just, Pick your poison. Like, oh, you can afford like, and I hate to say this because I don't, I don't want you, I don't want the listeners to feel like that. I think that OU players are disposable when we're talking about a, a pandemic and we're talking about a public health crisis. Um, but if OU has to weather a storm of man, we're, we're missing three guys off the two deep from one skill position or from the skill position. Well, that just means other guys that are maybe just not as talented, but just a little, just, just talented. They're going to get opportunities too. No, he's going to be fine because I mean, there's just so many guys on in this offense um, that, that hat, that has the talent to uh, really blow the doors off you. Like you said, Marvin Mims just excited the hell out of me. He was, uh, I believe second on the team in uh, yard or pass catching yards with 80 uh, the touchdown, three catches. Charleston Rambo, four catches, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Theo Howard led the team in catches with five, 63 yards. Uh, Theo Weiss had two catches. He had the first catch of the day. Um, and Mike, Mikey Anderson had four catches uh, for 37 yards. But, I mean, other than Marvin Mims, Keegan, I mean, did you see anything out of Charleston Rambo? Did you see anything out of anybody else catching the football that you thought, I, I, need, to, I need to see this guy perform to be fully invested in him go, moving forward? Even though it's Missouri State, I just needed to see a few things. Trevin West tonight, believe oh, wow. it or not. Wow. Right? This is a guy that I didn't expect to play a down Oklahoma at yeah. all and he showed some promise be able to make some really make some contested catches um pretty good after the catch uh and then the other guy tonight that oh my another oh my god brady moment mikey Henry is gonna be a monster in this offense yeah he was awesome oh like he is more athletic and is already at a point where Dimitri Flowers was at. Like, he is going to – what they're going to do with him is going to be unbelievable in the next couple of years. Yeah. But 
Um, so those two really stuck out to me uh, on offense. And I know we're about to get into the next part of this offense that is another, oh, my God, kind of thing. But Seth McGowan, oh, he you know, runs mean. He's it, violent. Is this weird? Like, well, first of all, number one for a running back, the jersey number, bold. It looked it looked kind of weird seeing a, a running back with a single digit in the first place. But number one, I don't think I've ever seen that before. We've seen seven at OU with Demarco Murray. I mean, five is has been a, a popular jersey number, and we're already we're getting into the jersey number. Like, unfortunately, I'm watching the game at the station with Chisholm Holland and Matt Burton, and I guess I just mentioned jersey numbers a lot because it was cool to see Chandler Morris with number four at quarterback. What he watched in it with zero just looks weird. Uh, Seth McGowan, number one, odd, but oh well. But is this weird, Keegan? When Seth McGowan's running, I'm like, he just looks like a younger, lighter Rodney Anderson, the way that he's running. Because it looks like he's, and I mean that because when Rodney Anderson would run, he, it looked like he used every ounce of his fucking soul to just run whatever direction he was running. Like, he was trying so damn hard. I see a lot of that in Seth McGowan. I, the, obviously, the comparison is going to be very tough to ignore, right? It has to be. I mean, the running styles are the same. Yeah. But I had a tweet tonight that people are disagreeing with that, that I believe in wholeheartedly. I think he's got more burst than Rodney had. I think he is going to be a more violent runner. It almost was because, like, Rodney was physical, right? Like, he was a strong dude. But he didn't run to go run someone over. Like, Seth McGowan doesn't want to just hit the hole. Seth McGowan wants to go through the hole. He want like, and I think Josh McQuistion of, of Sooner Scoop said it perfectly. Like, it was almost as if Seth McGowan was wanting someone to be in the hole. He wanted that contact. And that, I don't know if Rodney Anderson was like that. And so, yeah, it's, you know, he's a guy that his feet are a lot better than what I thought it would be. I think they're a lot better than what even maybe Oklahoma thought it would be. This is the guy that is Oklahoma's best running back outside of Ramondre Stevenson, and it's clear. And, I mean, hate it for him. I really do because I, I think he's a good kid. I, I talked to him before before he got on campus, but – TJ Pledger can't catch a break. This was his night. Gonna take a hold and string a hold and be a part and be a really the running number one running back until Ramondre yeah. Stevenson got back. But now yeah. it's it's uh, I think that's gone. I mean, well, it, I mean it was clear tonight. That yeah, he would have started. So like, yeah, he missed out on the opportunity to start. And if he's healthy, not in quarantine or whatever for Kansas State, I have no doubt that he'll probably start that game. Like, he'll probably just end up being – Keywan Jones started two or three games before Adrian Peterson started uh, in 2004 as a freshman. So, I have no doubt that TJ is going to start again. But um, it would have just gone the same way, I, th I feel like, because, I mean, TJ Pledger, like you said, he's a nice kid. Um, he I mean, does have some talent. He does bring something to the table that the other backs don't have just be with his – uh, with his size, but I, I've just had the opinion. I mean, just go back to listen to a few podcasts ago when we talked about it, Keegan. I feel like Seth McGowan's going to be the guy, and I felt like I felt that way without seeing any game film. And now we've got some game film. So if TJ Pleasure plays in this game, I think it just gets to a point where Seth McGowan just has more success with what limited holes the offensive line were opening up, just because of his violent running style, and what. And that cream would have risen to the top, and he would have performed just as good because Marcus Major had 11 attempts. Uh, Seth only had nine. Marcus Major had 11 attempts, and I kind of came away with, uh, I mean, just an underwhelming, like, yeah, he, he was okay. You know, n nothing special. He's not the next Adrian Peterson. <laughs> um, did a lot of uh, juking, dancing, you know, trying to get – you know, trying to showcase what's like the skills that he has, but I mean, it, it was going to be Seth McGowan. So even if TJ Pledger was in this game, I, I probably still would have came away going, "Yep, Seth's, Seth's guy." Until Ramondre gets back. 
Yeah, that dude is different. They're that's going to be a really good one-two punch for Oklahoma whenever he returns. You know, Texas game or the game after, whichever it ends up being. But yeah, it's you know this offense. It's you know it kind of took shape tonight. You'd like to see some things. They need to clean some things up, uh, especially up front. But I think, you know, a solid game one. And I think you said it best about Spencer, but I think it's about the offense in general that, you know, it's, it's, it's a good foundation to work off of. They, they've got areas where you know, the areas we expect them not to be as good at, they weren't as good at. And they've, you know, got a really good foundation to work off of. Yeah, Sam McGowan uh, led the team in rushing nine attempts. Like I said, 64 yards total, um, one touchdown. It was the first touchdown of the game. It was a one-yard run. He had a long of 23, and he averaged nearly seven yards a carry. So, yes, great start for his career. We'll see if he can keep that up. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, – is there anything else offensively you want to touch on? I'm sure we'll get back to Spencer once we, like, get past the defense and get to more final thoughts, Keegan. But anything else – offensively you wanted to touch on before we got to the defensive side of the ball no yeah all right let's just get over to the defense so obviously um you pitch a shutout it's great it looks great you get an inter- you get a turnover um, on the arm punt for a delarian turner yell that's great but i mean before we get into all the good and to like we'll, we'll go kind of in chronological order um please inform because i don't i don't want I don't want the listeners to feel like I'm like fighting them, but please inform our listeners uh, when I texted you d- during the game, what did I text you about and what had happened? <laughs> I actually <laughs> didn't see the play. So um, you'd have to describe it, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter what the play was. I mean, when you, there's word out there that Trey Brown's the second best player on this roster you expect him to come up with, you know, a PBU a interception whenever he has an opportunity, but. He's too good because I mean, they don't throw his way, Keegan. No, so, I, I texted Keegan. I, all I said was strike one. Because, <laughs> look, I'm giving Trey Brett, like, I, it's not even a strike one. This is mo- ma- mainly a joke. But I'm, of course, referring to Trey Brown dropping that gimme interception and, uh, um, I, it wasn't just me that kind of like looked at that and, and went, oh yeah, it's Trey Brown and then got kind of angry because Alex Grinch like tore him a new asshole. It's like, Hey, catch the ball. <laughs> that's the thing about, well, that's the, that's my thing with Trey Brown is like, he's talented, but man, he rarely ever is able to put it all together and simply catch a football. But, um, I'm this, this is Missouri state. This game doesn't matter. I'm sure once he's playing Kansas State, playing in conference, he's going to be a lot more locked in and focused. And if he's in the same position, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he'll catch the ball. But um, I just wanted to share that little exchange with all of our listeners. But Keegan, um, first play of the game, because this is where I want to start. Brian Asamoa blows up the play. Uh, Brian Asamoa was probably one of the top two or three defensive performers, in my opinion, from this game. But uh, if OU's defense is going to keep the momentum going with Alex Grinch, like it's going to, you would think it would start the D line, but at some point they're going to get Ronnie Perkins back and he's an NFL prospect. But truly I feel like it's going to be with the linebackers because this is of course the big 12 linebacking, the linebacker position is so important in this conference. And uh, just like the offense, great foundation, Brian Asamoah and and these linebackers, uh, I saw a lot of good today. Like the linebackers looked like they were flying around and, uh, Overall, it was just the, the talent gap was very apparent, but I liked what I saw. Absolutely. Uh, Brian Osamo was clearly – he is, you know, talking about guys that do look different from a year ago. He seemed a lot more confident. And I know, we, you know, Lincoln and Alex Kurtz does to a, a to an extent as well, talking about, this, you know, not questioning what you're doing. And yeah. it's clear that Brian Osamoa has kind of taken that next step in terms of understanding what he's seeing in front of him, um, being good at the point of attack, and, and making plays. And he, he has all the physical tools in the world that if those two things can collide together, then Oklahoma's going to be in really good shape as long as he can stay healthy. So it's, uh, yeah, po- I think positive night 
from the defense. It's clear that, like you said, Missouri State is was really bad up front. Uh, There's no much about it. Oklahoma was just blowing off the line of scrimmage. So uh, the Packers played well. Um, you know, it seemed like Perry on Winfrey probably didn't ask at this post game, but had a one quarter suspension of sorts. Oh yeah. He didn't play in quarter, but he, he looks like a guy that's going to be a havoc. He, you know, he's going to cause some havoc along the defensive line and, you know, it's going to be good for, I think Oklahoma that a game like this kind of happened, honestly, like that's nothing but positive comes away from what the defensive port, the performance was tonight. Another thing, too, I haven't even touched on yet. The most actually important thing was that you get out of a game like this without injuries. Yes. And Oklahoma got out of this game without injuries. Good point. Yeah, I mean, I think I said that on the radio and uh, completely whipped on it on the podcast. But, yeah, like when you're playing a game like this, you want to you wanna do your job, win the game, obviously, but you don't want to – come out of here with any injury even even a minor one like if if someone has a bum ankle coming out of this game it's like uh, it's not a total loss but it could have been better but yeah thankfully no injuries on either team you know we don't want to really see well actually i think missouri state actually had a little bit of a snafu i think to their quarterback he hit his head so hopefully he is okay i didn't really see any reports about him during the game but yeah uh, brian asamoa led the team with seven tackles, six assists, six of those were assisted uh, tackle for loss, which is the uh, probably the first play of the game. Um, I, I let's, let's dive into a little bit of the weeds because mainly because I've just been excited for this guy, Keegan, but uh, David, David Aguebu, I, I just, I like what he brings to the table. I he's on the two deep, obviously, but um, am, am I buying too much into him? Am I being too optimistic for him moving forward? Because I feel like it just at some point it's just going to happen and he's going to be the starter. It's Missouri State, I, I said, get it. I said it during the game, Brady. He looks like a committed player, like someone that you make on a video game. Yeah, he exactly. Is massive. Yeah, he's he gigantic. Is, yeah, I, I know I've had the stance of this is a guy that needs to wind down again and play and play rush and be that guy. But he almost reminds me of a, you know, if when Oklahoma was playing a 4-3, um, kind of prior, pre-2008 uh, Oklahoma. He reminds me of a guy that's like a same, like a strong outside linebacker. Yeah. You know, obviously in Oklahoma scheme under Alex Grinch, he's going to be inside. He's going to break. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I think that, He's ultimately going to be a guy that's going to stay inside. I think that's clear. I think this is a guy that can play at that position. He's clearly is. He was super athletic. I'm not trying to say he wasn't, but I didn't know if the way his you know he his body moved that he was capable of being inside guy. He is, uh, and we'll see you know, how Oklahoma continues to use him. Um, and maybe kind of going off that same topic, Oklahoma in third down tonight was getting in two linebackers. And I asked, asked Alex Grinch about that actually post-game, and I'm going to pull up real quick. Uh, great radio here. Uh, two, this is podcasting. It's great. Time moving forward. Yeah, this is Alex Finch's quote. I think we certainly have more pieces there on the edges. They're all healthy. I think part of it, too, stems from who's available to be prepared to look at those things. Are you going to be in a situation where you're going to be able to sub? One of the things we talked about was how much can you invest in the sub package? You can have X number of guys and say this is going to be our third down deal for this week. And then on Friday, there could be a test, and all of a sudden, you know, those individuals – but – we call them key downs. The only difference between a third, a takeaway and third down stop is field position. What a Grinch is there. But yeah, you know, I think that's interesting just from the aspect of, you know, it sounds like this is going to be something that Oklahoma is going to utilize that Oklahoma is going to um, do more often. If that's the case, if David Aguavu, this is kind of, this is where it ties in with, if David Aguavu can become a starter, then they can 
keep the same guys on the field and get into that bare front again to where there's five defensive linemen down on the front. And you can keep a Gribu and Benita on the field together with Winfrey and Stokes and um, Isaiah Thomas, by the way. We need to talk about him a little bit. Talk about a guy that's really bought in. Yeah. Um, and it looks like a player. Yeah, he's definitely one of them. So, <coughs> oh, God. In the realm of what I was saying, it's, uh, you know, both of those guys on the field, Aguebu and Benito, and rushing off the edge in a one-on-one matchup on third down, air front. Oh, my goodness. You talk about drooling over possibilities. Like, that's the problem for opposing offenses. It's just going to be. And, yeah, um, yeah he's – yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited for him. I think he's going to be a really good player, especially inside now. And that kind of gives Oklahoma there. And not just for this year. We've talked about Oklahoma only bringing in one linebacker in 2021. If this is a guy that can stay inside, you have Deshaun White and Brasson, Brian Asamoah for another year. Shane Witter was not a part of the action tonight. He was not available. But, yeah, it's uh, I'll only be really be sad about offense. We're going to see them get tested a little bit more. Skylar Thompson clearly today the Kansas State game's on in front of me, and I can't get over just how bad he was um, inconsistent against them. So there should be some opportunities for them to be tested against Kansas State. And at the same time, too, there's going to be some opportunities for some balls to pick off. Uh, and that should be good for to get a good gauge of where this defense is at. Forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, just like with Spencer Rattler, just like with the offense, I, I don't want any of our listeners to think that we're just like, oh, yeah, OU has found every answer. All these guys are incredible. This is going to be an undefeated campaign of the season national title on the way no but i mean you have to like you have to take something from a game like this so um i guess we can get on a little bit of like not a negative but more of a meh and it it was kind of apparent just from the get-go because you know you don't have ronnie perkins you know you're not gonna have jalen redmond for the whole year because he opted out and OU's defensive line with the talent that they have you know a lot of it's going to rest on perry on winfrey because he is just the big guy He's also a guy with a, a defensive tackle with a single digit, which is automatically puts him in the badass club. Hopefully he can play like that once we get into conference play. But um, I didn't see a lot of pressure, at least early on, uh, generating from the defensive line by themselves. If there was pressure, Keegan, it was from the linebackers blitzing. It was from uh, the secondary getting in on some covered sacks. Um I just didn't see a lot to get me excited for the defensive line. Uh, nothing to get me worried. Like, I'm no more worried than I was going into this game. Like, I just basically didn't ha- – like, boxes just weren't checked like they were offensively across the board and then defensively with linebackers. Yeah, I, I think there, there's some merit to that. But overall, though, that I think that they showed one thing, and I, I – we can maybe get into Isaiah Thomas a little bit, is that there is depth there along the defensive line. Yeah. And that is a positive. An extremely po- a good thing um, for them moving forward. And then, I mean, if Isaiah Thomas is, it can be that guy for Oklahoma, and I know that in state, and I, I'm not the one that – and I'm especially not – one that overreacts to things like this but if he can be a guy for Oklahoma that they can rely on to be able to one-on-one situations that's going to open up a lot more you know windows for a Perry on Winfrey to get uh, himself from one-on-ones get Nick Benito away from you know running backs you know clipping it not clipping him golly I it is 112 in the morning it, these uh, are long days Nick Finito um, not getting checked by a running back, you know, coming off to go run a route. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, I think Isaiah Thomas and the depth there uh, is, is, is a positive C. But as I said earlier, we just need to see them get tested more. Uh, and that's both sides of the ball. But, you know, on, on, with both sides, then I said a second ago on something that you said earlier in the show, this is 
a great foundation. You, you, it's a great foundation to build off of. You know what you got to get better at at each position and defense. They, they've got to come up with more turnovers. I mean, there was there was opportunities for it tonight. Yeah, they didn't they didn't bank on them. They didn't take advantage of them. And we'll see kind of how they react to that moving forward because that it's by the what we're seeing today from the Big Twelve when Kansas State and Iowa State. Um, there's going to be some opportunity. Wait, I didn't see the, the secondary wasn't tested enough for me for us to really go in depth about them. Like they were out there, they played. There's talent there. We know it. There's experience back. We all know this, but nothing, nothing happened in this game. DTY got an interception. Good for them. Speed D get to put their fists up, and they all got to pose in the end zone. Yeah, everyone's happy. But um, you were you a fan? Are you a fan of that? Like not against Missouri State. Like if I'm gonna be like snotty, like like you know, I don't know. Am I? If does that make me old? If I'm like, I don't know about doing this against Missouri State guys. Like they did it against TCU, right? When it was Buki's pick. Yeah, I, but even then, it's like, well, that that iced the game that they could have lost. Right. The defense like, gets a big they're turnover. Get flagged for that at some point. That's my yeah. Opinion. I think I think the defense did that last year. No, they did. They did that during the spring game. Yes. Yeah, because like Jalen Hurts like posed with him, and it's like, oh my God, Jalen Hurts is like bought in. He's a Sooner now, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. He wasn't even the best quarterback on the roster. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Did Spencer Rattler give you the good quotes today? <laughs> I didn't interview him. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't. No comment. Yeah, I'll say this, like. For a defense that's been so utterly criticized and rightfully so in many cases for the last three to five years, and then especially last year where the whole thing is like, get effing turnovers. It's like, yeah, I can understand why they, they're excited when they do generate one because they didn't really do it a lot last year. But we will see. Uh, Keegan, before we put our absolute final thoughts out there, just give us like the experience of uh, – covering a game during a pandemic in the press box because we all knew for you guys it was going to be a little bit different. So uh, what was it like? And then what was uh, not being able to leave the press box like for a post game? It was so weird. I mean, first off, I guess let's just talk about the game um, and the atmosphere at the beginning. They were pretty loud, like credit to Oklahoma fans. The Boomer Sooner chant was pretty good. They piped in crowd noise, and it was very cool. And as the more fans emptied out of the stadium, the louder it got. And it was, it was really weird. The pre-recorded band stuff was weird. It, uh, and then just the experience as a media member, the – I don't know. The, we had to, like, to open the fridges to get drinks – we were required to use hand sanitizer like before and after opening the fridge. So, so it, it was, that was different. Um, I mean, I wonder if Bob, did Bob Stoops have to like use hand sanitizer when he'd get his, I guess his tequila drink in the, in his private luxury box up there or is he, <laughs> uh, is he, is he like not able to get the virus? Unlike you unwashed media members. Oh, was this on TV or something? No, I th- no, they showed Bob in the – he was in some box. He was at the game. Okay. Um, I just, I, it's so funny that they, A, have students on campus, big picture-wise, B, have people in the stadium, and then C, like, with, in regards to the media, it's like, oh, y'all need to, like, wash your hands before you grab this Diet Coke. Yeah, they actually recommended us to get tested during the week, too which I didn't do that, but... Uh, yeah, because we're not all made of money. No, I'm especially not. Well, this, but, one's, this one's real cheap, Brady. Goddamn. Like, I don't... I, what's the accuracy of that cheap-ass test? Right, that's also true. Uh, no, it was different, and then it didn't hit home until post-game. Oh, that was a circus. We were all in the press box, okay? Mm. And there's Zoom calls, Missouri State is going on. The players are going on, oh, and, Lincoln no. and, Gr- and Lincoln and Grinch are going on all at the same time. So you got to pick so your. Ba- you, 
yeah, you could hear everybody asking their questions. And then like, if you were all on the same zoom call, right. There's a delay in zoom, right. Clearly. So when you talk. Yeah. So you could hear like Hoover sits next to me. I could hear Hoover asking his question, but in my ear, it was like a second or two behind him yeah. saying it. So like it, it was just, it was a circus there at the end. Uh, but overall it was good to be back. It, it really was the not seeing the tailgating and fans around the stadium, you know, before the game was different. Uh, but then ultimately, you know, Oklahoma, you know, made their decision uh, about that. And I thought that, you know, I'm not shaming anybody, but I'm not siding with the OU Daily either, but it was this mass situation in the stadium was kind of like a lot. I saw a lot of people who weren't wearing masks and that's not me saying you're outside. I don't think you're going to transmit the transmission of the virus. Obviously isn't as big as outside as it is like inside with eight units and all that. But I mean, a rule's a rule's a rule. No, I'm. Um, I mean, as someone who's gone to outdoor bars, like I don't go to indoor bars. Um, as someone who's gone to outdoor bars, um, when I go out, I I understand I I'm taking a a risk, but I try to mitigate it as much as possible. In that, I always bring a mask with me in between, like sitting down and having my drink with my friends. Um, I'm not. I try to stay away from people. Um, but I mean, this isn't about me, but yeah, I mean, I saw all the same videos. I saw all the same tweets and it's, uh, guys, if you want to have college football, I mean, unfortunately y'all shouldn't even be here <laughs> like students, like they should not be on campus, all 30,000 of them. That's, that's just silly. It's just not pragmatic. Does not make sense. Um, but if you want college football, like you can't go to Logie's on Tuesday nights when it's already packed, you can't go to the porch when it's packed, man. It's like, I mean, you can like, no one's putting a gun to your head. This is America. You can do whatever you want. But if a game gets canceled or postponed, and then all we have to go off of are like these videos of students doing all this stuff, and we know players are around them because they're also students. It's like, hey, you can't have every you can't have everything you want. But I, I, I don't know. There's no right answer here because leadership, like we've talked about a handful of times, Keegan has failed us utterly. But. Um, one more thing. It did feel it did feel good though. Oh yes. It, it, I it, know I know the video of the guy from the Norman transcript that came out. I actually drove by that house before while I was going to park. Not nearly as many people at the time, but I don't know. There was something that felt normal about seeing college kids just getting wild before a college. Yeah. And I'm game. sure, I'm sure they had fun and I'm sure like, even if they contract the virus, you know, super, super statistically speaking, they will probably be fine. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just how it is, but, um, final thoughts on the game, Keegan, anything, I mean, it doesn't even have to be about the game it could be moving forward. Um, anything you're looking forward to asking Lincoln this week stories you're angling for. I mean, I mean, what, what's going on? Well, the next game obviously is one where there is a lot of minds about just the upset, uh, you know, Kansas State, how Oklahoma, you know, f is going to attack them from a – I mean, they still are a disciplined football team. They're going to play assignment sound football. Um, they're going to get that corrected over the next 14 days. And uh, Oklahoma is going to have to be better. Oklahoma's going to have to take a step forward, and they're going to have to take a step forward each and every game. And I will say, if there is something about, you know, a Lincoln Riley coach team maybe opposed in 2018 and 2017, I guess, I'm not saying that those are outliers, or 20, you know, that 2019 was an outlier in this regard, I guess, because 2016, 2017, and 2018, they got better in each and every game. But this is truly a season to where the best teams, the ones that are going to win it, that have the best chance to win a national championship, they're going to have to take steps every single week. And I know that's very cliche, but in a year like this, that it can't be, you know, that can't be more than the truth. And Oklahoma is going to have to be better against Kansas State than they were against Missouri State. And they're going to do better against Iowa State than they were against Kansas State. And they've got a lot of things that, 
they've got to clean up. They've got to get guys healthy. They've got to get guys back out of quarantine and all those things. So, yeah, it's a, it, it's a good foundation. They've got to be better. Um, and, but there, there were some wild moments. I, I don't want to take away from that. I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting here. But Spencer's arm talent, I mean, absolute, un, it's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Seth McGowan looks the part. Marvin Mims looks the part. Um, all those boxes that we – kind of the things that we were looking for, they were checked off tonight for the most part. And moving forward, Oklahoma's going to, as I said a second ago, they're just going to have to get better each and every week. Fair enough, Keegan. We got one post-game show in the books, and now we got a week off in terms of games. And then – Two weeks from now, we will be discussing the OU Kansas State game, but probably much earlier because that's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Yay, we're back to normal with the 11 a.m. kicks. But, uh, Keegan, thank you for staying up, doing the podcast, doing your podcast. And uh, we will probably reconvene Sunday, Monday at some point and get ready for this week. As you yawn. Uh, yeah, as I yawn. Yeah, to, end, <laughs> to go into the end of the show. Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a, an interesting week, kind of just recapping what we've learned so far and then for the Big 12 conference play, a, a conference that had all the momentum in the world right down its leg. Awesome. That's how we'll end it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the post-game edition of the Inside OU podcast. Stay tuned. We'll put out more content for you, content for you all this week. Uh, pay attention to all of, uh, Keegan Renault's uh, awesome writing at Soonerswire.com, powered by USA Today. Uh, stay tuned to 107.7 The Franchise, the flagship station for Oklahoma football all week, and we'll get you all ready for football in two weeks. But everybody, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you later.